This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So tonight I want to I want to share with you about kingdom culture. If you have the first slide up there, but I want to speak about kingdom encounter. So what is kingdom culture? I, I believe that if you build it, God will come. In other words, if you build a kingdom of God culture within you and around you, God's going to come. I mean, just think about it. Moses was on the mountain or he had a, a, he received a blueprint from God, build the tabernacle according to these dimensions, make it like this. And he did it. And what happened? The glory came. Amen. And then Solomon's temple, he built it according to, to the blueprint that God gave him. And what happened? The glory came that the priests couldn't even minister. They had to like run out. God was in the house. You know, and then we had Jesus, the Son of God, coming and living like a, a mobile temple. You know, he, 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 he came. God came and dwelt amongst us. And then he opened the way for many sons and, and daughters to follow in his footsteps so that no longer God dwelling in a building, but God dwelling on the inside of us through his Holy Spirit. It's amazing. I mean, imagine God, the creator of heaven and earth, living on the inside of you. That is amazing. So if you build it, come on, let's say it. If you build it, God will come. Amen. If you build the kingdom culture, if you apply the principles of scripture, if you, you build these cultures, I believe there are five primary cultures built around the fivefold ministry, apostolic culture, prophetic culture, pastoral culture, teaching culture, and evangelistic culture. And in my book, I, I talk a little bit about the, the, those like, wineskins that, that carry the new wine. So, uh, so if you build it, if you build that environment, and over the last six years or so, we uh, at Shofar East London, we have been on a journey. You know, I realized this around six years ago in 2012, middle 2012, give you some background. For about three years, my wife couldn't really sleep. She had a horrible insomnia since our son was born, postnatal depression, and then really battling to sleep for about three years. And uh, I was a spirit-filled pastor for 10 years, and I had to acknowledge, I believe God is powerful, but I don't know His power. Because I prayed for my wife hundreds of times every night, when I find her on the bathroom floor weeping, thinking she's going to go nuts. Because if you don't have enough sleep, you know, you tend to lose it. I was so worried about it, but I was praying for it sometimes twice a night, literally hundreds of times over those three years. And I was so freaked out. It's like, God, where are you? I thought you powerful. I thought the tomb is empty. But what the heck is this? And I'm a pastor. We're supposed to be powerful. <laughs> I was so, ah. Oh. And in that time, I, I announced it to our church. And I said, guys, we're going to pursue the power of God. I don't care what people think. I want my wife healed. I want my wife set free because we've tried all other medical ways and nothing is working. And, and that's where our journey started. And the Lord started to unlock. As You see, you need hunger if you want more of God. You need hunger. You need to be like, 
borderline des- absolutely desperate. God, I am not happy with what is. I'm not satisfied. God, I want more. And so that is the, the journey that started. And, and so uh, in, in 2012, the Lord healed my wife of a skin disease and of her sleep problem. And, and we had about four people healed in, in 2012. And at the end of 2012, I, I, we were praying one time. I heard of God say to me, there's an outpouring of healing coming. Trust me for this. So we went on missions. Yay, missions. Missions rocks. So we went to India. And I was absolutely terrified. I'm like, how on earth? I don't know if Jesus works in India. I heard there are a lot of other gods there. I was really worried, but I just told the pastors, we want to pray for the sick. I didn't have a cooking clue. No idea how to do this, but I, we're going to pray for the sick. Anyway, so in, in 2013, we, we had about 100 documented healings. You know, I was battling about my faith around this. So every time it happens, when someone gets healed, I would document, I would write it down, and I would follow up with them. Are you still healed? Are you sure? And it was amazing to see people still healed month later, six months later, year later, years later. But I documented because I wasn't sure. Is this real? I don't want to make it up. If God is alive, surely I don't need to make it up. And I found like in 2013, 100 people, 2014, 191 people healed. 2015, uh, 200 and something 2016, 25, anyway, the last two, another two years, like five, 400 and 400 plus people healed each of those years. And around uh, almost 1,200 people physically healed. I stopped counting because it's now official. <laughs> Jesus heals. Amen. He does. If God is alive, surely there must be evidence. If he's alive. There must be evidence. And so tonight I want to share some stories to stir your faith. And at the end of tonight, we're going to pray for some people. We're going to trust that God is going to touch you. I have found that, that Jesus works anywhere where he finds faith. Amen. So uh, about a month ago or so, five, six weeks ago, we were at Shofar Wellington. And uh, we had a wonderful morning service. And uh, we prayed for some sick people. And three very significant, beautiful healings happened. So the one guy I prayed for, Nick, for 25 years, he couldn't hear anything in his left ear. The one ear. Not sure which one. I think it was this one. And I had the privilege of praying with him, and his ear opened up, and he could hear perfectly in both ears. Hallelujah. Jesus opens the ears of the deaf. Then we prayed for another lady. She's 17 years that she, she had major back problems, and she couldn't touch her toes. Jesus touched her. She was healed, and she could touch her toes in front of all of us. But the third one was for me the beautiful one. A lady, when she was born uh, through a cesarean section, uh, uh, something went wrong. And her hips were significantly damaged. So she couldn't walk normally. She couldn't run. And so my wife, Sonica, had a word. She felt that people here that God wants to heal somebody's hip. And so she was sitting there in the chairs. And she was like, this girl lady was saying, it's not for me. God doesn't want to heal me. And so... Someone else prayed with her for something else, and she says, uh, three, four days later, we found this out. She was sitting on a chair, and suddenly her knees started to shake. And the next moment, she felt somebody was hugging her from behind, but there was no one. 
And then her hips moved back into place and she was completely healed, running, walking, going crazy. Hallelujah. Give Jesus a hand for that. Come on. Jesus heals. Jesus heals. And so uh, we had some wonderful uh, miracles happening yesterday in Somerset West and this morning. Yesterday, there's a lot of things. Just two stories. The, the one lady, 20 years of neck problems, so she couldn't turn, like, couldn't turn her head to the sides. Like normally, a lot of pain, even yesterday, a lot of pain. She just came to do the food for the, for the healing seminar, and, uh, and we prayed with her, and uh, she was healed. This morning, Tess was still healed, no pain, absolute normal. After 20 years, she can move her neck normally. Isn't that beautiful? Another lady I prayed with this morning, she, uh, um, when she was seven years old, 30 years ago, a car hit her, and she broke her leg over here. So her leg is a little bit shorter, but also she's got ankle pain and back pain for 30 years. And so I had the privilege of also, we were praying with her, and she's, as we were praying for her, she felt a heat on the exact spot where the, where the break happened. Prayed a few times with her, two, three times, and then the pain disappeared from the ankle, from the back, and we tasted it looks like the legs are now equally long. Praise God. Come on, let's give Jesus a hand for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. God is good. So why am I sharing these stories? Because I want to stir your faith. God responds to faith. Amen. So on the one hand, you have kingdom culture. You see, Jesus didn't come to establish a religion. He came to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then he stretched forth his hand and he healed. He came to demonstrate the kingdom, but he came not to establish a religion, but to tell you, tell everybody, guys, good news, my kingdom, where there's no pain, where there's no suffering, where there's no darkness, where there's no depression, where there's no, all all the bad stuff, it's not in heaven. It's not in his kingdom. So when his kingdom comes, all those type of things must leave. Amen. So Jesus came and he, he, he demonstrated, he released the kingdom on earth. And then he calls his followers to do the same so that everybody may know Jesus is alive. Amen. You see, every miracle, every story we share is a sign that points to Jesus. He's alive and he wants to save you. He wants to wash away your sins. He wants to set you free. Amen. So on the other hand, instead of kingdom, we have in South Africa primarily dead religion. Now what is dead religion? Dead religion is like farming without water. My brother-in-law is a farmer in Marmersbury, Lekker Lekker in Marmersbury. And so anyway, with the drought, my brother-in-law said basically they only had 25% of the usual harvest. Because of the lack of water. You see, what is, what is dead religion? Dead religion is um, when you and I, we plow the ground and we pour our seeds and we work hard and we sweat and we toil because we want to make God pleased with us. But there's very, very little fruit. Minimal life change. I grew up in a church like that. Minimal life change. I went to church. It was boring. Church is not supposed to be boring. 
when God is present, it cannot be boring. Amen. So dead religion and Oslantis Frotfundet, unfortunately. And I believe God is wanting to, to, to me to announce this tonight that the heavy rains are coming. Amen. The heavy rains are coming when there's this massive harvest coming because it is by the Holy Spirit. The heavy rains, the rain speaks of those living waters flooding down from heaven. Amen. Okay, so quickly, one, I want to ask this question. Are you maybe like, I want to talk about kingdom encounter. I want to share a few stories about kingdom encounter. So Peter, the apostle Peter, do you know, before he became an apostle, you know, he was a fisherman. And he was, uh, I can just imagine, he was a normal oak, doing his thing, fishing, having a beer with the boys, sometimes having too many beers with the boys. Yeah, let the convictions settle. <laughs> just saying. Anyway, so he, he was probably just going through the motions, you know. God wasn't on his radar. He's going through life. And then one day, Jesus steps into his boat. And uh, he's been fishing all night, and then Jesus says to him, come on, try again. And Jesus does a miracle in his boat, in his realm. And he gets, catches this massive catch. He had to call the other boats to come and help. And, and he was so overwhelmed that he fell to his knees and said, Lord, depart from me, a sinful man. He had a God encounter. Amen. That's normal. And then we have the Apostle Paul, who was Saul. You know, he was the theologian, the intellectual, the one who said, I know. The one who persecuted the other Christians. The one who said, I am actually doing the will of God. I'm going to pursue. I'm going to chase them down. I'm going to lock them up. I'm going to beat them with sticks and mock them on Facebook. Fatsua, yah! Expose you guys because it's false. It's fake. And then what happens? You know, he goes to Damascus on his donkey. He's going to Take them out, the guys, the Christians there. What happens? Jesus appears to him. Clubs him off his donkey. <laughs> Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Uh, 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 Lord, I was persecuting the Christians. <laughs> and Saul became Paul, and Jesus said to him, Welcome to the kingdom. <laughs> kingdom encounter. Everything changed. Wrote half of the New Testament. I mean, that's a sign and a wonder. The guy that were persecuting the believers, the Jew. You know, you don't convert Jews. You don't just convert them. And God rocked this man's world. And he became the one that started to preach the resurrection. Started to preach Christ. Half of the New Testament. That is a sign and a wonder. You see, I've, I've heard this said. A man... With an encounter is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. And a man with an argument is one encounter away from changing his argument. Amen. Just one encounter. Just one encounter. I'm thinking of my, my, my grandfather. He was a professor in surgery at the Tigerberg Medical Campus. And his brother started the Tigerberg Medical Campus, Francie van Sale. I have a rich history of medical doctors. And he was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. 
he mocked the Christians and he mocked the church. And at one point he had a heart attack or he was driving from work from the hospital and he felt like, oh, those are signs of a heart attack. So he turned around and he chased to the ICU or to the emergency emergency uh, section of the hospital and they took him up and, and something happened where his heart stopped beating. Professor in surgery, an evolutionist, a man who mocks Christians. And he says his heart stopped beating and he said the next moment he was sitting against the ceiling looking down upon nurses and doctors trying to resuscitate him and get his body back to to live. And his spirit came back. He never mocked the Christians again. (laughs) You see, a man with an argument can quickly change that argument when he gets an encounter. Tonight, we want to release an encounter. We want to trust that the love of God is going to touch your heart. He loves you, even if you mock him, even if you hate him. Even if it's your passion in life to despise someone that you think doesn't really exist. He loves you. He loves you. One encounter will change everything. Or maybe, maybe you are just a dry Christian. You know, you've, uh, you've gone dry. You're living in that desert and God wants to move you to the wells. Tonight is your night. Amen. Tonight is your night. So, so let's quickly go to a passage in, in the Bible, Luke chapter 5, verse 17. I want to share a few more stories, but also just look at how does, it, how, how does a kingdom encounter work? How, how does Jesus operate? So Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the previous verses, we see multitudes coming to Jesus to be healed, to be set free. And then it says, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Come on, say it. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, if you read the rest of the passage, you'll see none of them received anything. You see, it's like in every meeting, every time there's a a church meeting, there's a group of people that encounter Christ. And there's a group that says, that was boring. And and, and these Pharisees and the the judgmental people, they were like, oh, who is this Jesus? He doesn't know what he's doing. And so uh, there was a, I, I love Baptists. You know, Baptists are great people. They love God's word, good people. A lot of Baptist churches in East London love them, great people, good friends with many of them. But they are often very afraid of the Holy Spirit. Actually, terrified at times. They love the word. Awesome. So we had a couple, an American couple, Rick and Luz Zapata. They come from the United States. They're missionaries to South Africa. And Rick did a, is a, is a, is a qualified like business background, but then he, he, he came to Christ and he wanted to follow Jesus. So he, he went to a Southern Baptist theological seminary. Go Baptists. So he went there and he got his education and he came to South Africa to follow God and to do the will of God. But he and his wife are terrified of Holy Spirit, charismatic churches. So anyway, so their daughter comes to our youth, and then they and other people invite them, so they come to our church. The first time, beginning November last year, 
So now I don't know that they are in the service. And I'm standing in the front. I'm worshiping Jesus. End of the second song. I hear Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. So he, he speaks from the inside. You hear like a gentle voice speaking to you. And you learn that's the Holy Spirit. And I know that's the Holy Spirit. I know God spoke to me and said to me, Andre, take the microphone and sing in tongues. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to freak out all the visitors. I know the other, I know, oh God. And I'm like, but I know I'm going to obey the Lord. You know, what, what is tongues? Tongues is, you, you're a three-part being, soul, spirit, body. Your spirit speaking to God, not through your brain, but from your spirit. That's tongues. But anyway, so now I'm just going to do it. So I'm taking the microphone. Couldn't find my note. Some fan, continue, continue. And I knew something's different this morning. And so I sing in tongues. And I say, Jesus, please help all the visitors this morning. And so the interpretation comes, and the interpretation is basically that God loves his children. Now, I didn't know this, but this couple originally comes from South America. They understand Spanish. Two weeks later, I sit with Rick, and he tells me, do you know that when you sang, you sang in Spanish? Yo. I was also your. No ways. Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They spoke in human languages and everybody could understand them. God is alive. And so this couple, they were rocked. They are now spirit-filled, tongue-speaking believers. And they love the Holy Spirit. Amen. Give Jesus a hand. Come on. Lord, thank you. One encounter. One encounter will change you for life. Come on, let's say it. One encounter will change me for life. That's the truth. God wants you to encounter God, and then he wants you to release encounters to others. Amen. So the power of God was present, but the skeptics don't get it. You see, it's like, you know, when you, when you haven't stepped into the kingdom of God, if you haven't been born again, if your spirit man hasn't been born again, your spirit senses are dead. In other words, it's like being a blind man and trying to tell all these people that can see there is no sun. Can't see him. I know there is no sun. Man, I'm going to persecute you for believing in the sun. <laughs> you know? But when the moment you step into the kingdom, Jesus said, you will see. Amen. It's often been said, I will believe it if I see it. No, no, it doesn't work like that in the kingdom. You need to believe it if you want to see it. You first must believe it, then you see it. Amen. So the rest of that verse, verses 18 to 20, it says, then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and led him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. When he saw their faith, come on, say faith. He said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. Wonderful story. There's a group of skeptics who receive nothing. 
And then there's a group of people, group of guys, real friends that realize Jesus is the answer to my paralyzed friend. We're going to make a way. We're going to break through to get him to Jesus. Now, real men follow Jesus. Do you know that? If you want to be part of the in crowd, follow Jesus. It's the coolest thing ever. It's to be in with the king of glory, the king of heaven and earth, the God who made everything. It's amazing. And so we had this guy, his name is Aviwe. Uh, He was an atheist and he came to church about three years ago. So his girlfriend brought him to church. Yay, girlfriends. (laughs) What a man wouldn't do for love. He's an atheist. He was there in Selborne College and a group of them, atheists and rough lifestyle. Coming to church, doesn't want to be there. And at the end of the service, pastor does his rounds and he sees a guy I haven't seen before. He tries to duck and I say, hey, how's it going? Did you fill in a visitor card? No. Can I have your number? Love to have a coffee with you. Okay, he hoped I wouldn't phone him. I phone him Tuesday. I'm desperate to see people come into the kingdom. So I have a mug and bean coffee with a brother for about two hours, give him some food as well. And I preach the gospel from every possible angle for two hours. But he's like, no, 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 I'm not ready. Not ready, not ready. Anyway, he comes to church the next Sunday and I will say, guys, real men follow Jesus. And I think I, I pressed the button there with him. So he's like, I'm a real man. Okay. Here I am. So I, we pray with him and, and he prays the prayer, committing his life to God. I go to his house the following week. And uh, as I enter his house, he says to me, Pastor, I've prayed your little prayer, but the lights haven't come on yet. And I say, it's okay, it's okay. Give it time, give it time. So I share with him about salvation, how it works. And then I shared with him about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And my time runs out. I, realize I must go home. I said, Aviwe, can I quickly pray with you, brother? And he said, sure. And he, I said, open your hands. So he's opening his hands. He closed his eyes. And then he says to me this later. He says to me, while he was standing like that, the next moment he sees it with his eyes closed, he sees a light. He's like, no man, what's the pastor doing with a flashlight shining in my eyes now? But anyway, so he ignores it. So I'm praying for him that the Holy Spirit would come. And, the, and, and he says the light goes away, and then it comes back, and then it goes away. He says the next moment, this glorious light crashes into him. From my perspective, he goes down into his chair. <laughs> he sits like this, and he's shaking, shaking, shaking. And the tears are running down his face. And then he starts to say, it's real. It's real. It's real. You see, he said the lights haven't come on yet. Man, oh man, isn't God amazing? He knows you so well. Even if you don't believe in him, even if you hate him, he loves you so much. And he wants you to encounter him. Come on, just say it. One encounter with Jesus will change me for life. That's the truth. That's the truth. 
the rest of that verse, it says there, and if he was still faithfully serving our church, one of the leaders in church, wonderful guy, we are good friends. And yeah, I'm just amazed at what God does. So it says there, that, and, and it says, when he saw their faith, if you want to encounter more of God, you need to apply faith, childlike faith. You see, God doesn't give it to the arrogant. He doesn't give it to the proud. I was an 18-year-old, arrogant, selfish, proud young man. God had to break me until I got desperate for more of him, for something else, you know. Lay down your pride. You're just a human being. Without God, we're nothing. Amen. Hallelujah. So then the next next verse, it says in Luke 5, 21, and it says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? And who can forgive sins but God alone? You see, now they judge Jesus because they don't understand what's happening. You see, you will always judge what you don't understand. You will always fear what you don't understand. And you cannot understand the kingdom unless you've entered in. Amen. So these guys were like critical and uh, accusing Jesus. You know, and so we, so many people believe these days, miracles are not, not for today anymore. And, uh, you know, I've just realized, I know I'm going to get shots for believing that Jesus still heals. You know, some Christians immediately believe because I'm saying there's a genuine miracle that it must be false. They believe there's only false. There's only false miracles these days. Really? Is God dead? (laughs) No, he's alive and he's moving and he's working and he wants to rock your world and he's just waiting. He's standing. He's standing next to you. He's, He's just waiting for you to open your heart to say, God, if you are real, please touch me. Just start there. Just start there. He wants to touch you. The last few verses, Luke 5, 22. It says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Why are you reasoning? Why are you trying to use your intellect that is undefiled? You see, intellect is good. Use your brain, but use it in a sanctified way. Align it with God's word, and you're going to think right. So there's a kingdom mindset that we need to have. And if we have the kingdom mindset, we can create an atmosphere within us and around us to see the kingdom of God come. I am finding out that God works everywhere if there's a little bit of faith in the house. Is there faith in the house tonight? Yes, come on. There is faith in the house tonight. So it says there, he answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning your hearts? And then he says, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? You know, for God, it's the same thing. Jesus knew he was going to the cross. So he knew, man, I'm going to die for your sins. All your stuff ups, I'm taking it on myself to set you free. So I can forgive your sins. But I have good news for you also. I don't only heal your spirit. I don't only save your spirit. I have made provision for your soul, spirit, and body. You see, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't hang there as a spirit being. He didn't just redeem your spirits. He redeemed the spirit, soul, and body. He he went through hell so that you might know heaven. 
He was beaten and crushed so that your body might be healed. Why healing? Because God loves people. When you have sickness in your body, your body becomes like hell. It becomes a torture chamber. And because God loves people, he makes a way. And when you are, have, have issues in your soul or you have fear or you have depression, God wants to heal you in that area as well. You know, Rosie, one of our team members, she, her story is that she had eight miscarriages. And she fell into a depression. She had a chemical imbalance in her brain. She was depressed for five years. And then in one of our meetings, she was praying with some other guys. And the next moment, she experienced like a searing hot rod being stuck into her brain. It was painful. She forgot about it, forgot to drink her her, her antidepressants for about two months. And she found out she was healed. And normally after two weeks, she would become suicidal. Come on, Jesus heals. Amen. Jesus heals. So if you have depression tonight, I tell you, every testimony I am sharing is releasing grace upon your empowerment upon your life so that the same can happen to you. Amen. Come on, let's say Jesus is my healer. He is. I was in Brazil the one night and uh, there was a lady, she had eye problems for about 10 years. She only saw a blur. Only saw a blur. And uh, she felt like she could see maybe a little bit better. I'm like, no, that's not a great testimony. (laughs) Jesus wants to do more. (laughs) So I put my hand on her head and I said, Jesus, touch her. And the power of God hit her. She went to the floor. I stood over her and I said, see in Jesus' name. She opened her eyes and she saw perfectly. Hallelujah. And she said, I'm quite a handsome fellow. That's what she said. That's what she said. (laughs) You know, you can't fake an eye that sees. You can't fake it. You can't make it up. Either it is or it isn't. Amen. God is good. Come on, let's say it. God wants to heal me tonight. Come on, let's say God wants to set me free tonight. Come on, let's say Jesus is alive. And he is here tonight. Amen. He is. He is. And so then Jesus goes on in that verse and he says, But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Do you remember what it feels like? Guys, those who know Jesus today, do you remember what it feels like to feel unclean? Do you remember? It's a horrible feeling. Do you realize how beautiful it is to be washed clean? I have no skeletons in my closet. I have nothing to hide. Jesus has washed me clean. It is the most wonderful, wonderful experience. He wants to wash you clean tonight. Even if, as a believer, if you have messed up, if you've lost your way, if you've, if you've somehow found yourself on the wrong track, Jesus wants to heal you and bring you back. Amen. So then he said, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, go to your house. 
immediately. Come on, say immediately. God likes to do things immediately. He rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. Quick question. Do you want to glorify Jesus? Trust God for signs and wonders. Because he's going to get glorified. It is the biblical way. You want to be biblical? It's the biblical way. How do you know if you have faith? The Bible says clearly when you can know you have faith. These signs will follow those who believe. They will heal the sick. They will set people free from darkness on their souls. And they will speak in other tongues. (laughs) Amazing. My question, do you have faith? You can quickly have, get faith if you haven't yet. That shift can happen in a moment. Amen. Hallelujah. Glorifying God. And they were all amazed. Say amazed. And they glorified God and were filled with fear. This is a holy reverence fear. Saying, we have seen strange things today. God wants to do signs and wonders because he wants to get your attention. He wants you to realize Whoa, whoa, whoa. I must really, 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 really try hard today not to believe in Jesus. (laughs) It takes more faith to be an atheist than to believe in Jesus. Amen. That's the truth. I'm seeing the sun every day. I'm seeing Jesus Christ, the sun. (laughs) Amen. So we had a guy coming to church. He's a medical doctor. His name is Johan. He was in a car in a, in a bus accident, I think, in February. He broke his back, and uh, he was in a wheelchair, and he's going through all process. He's a medical doctor, and uh, he he can't stand, and he, but he can only go upstairs with crutches. There's a lot of pain in his back. He has very little feeling in his feet. And he's, he's really battling. He comes to church the one night, and I'm like, man, there's a guy in a wheelchair. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we love wheelchair people. <laughs> Crutches people, blind people, deaf people. We love them all. Amen. So we go to the guy, and I pray with him. We pray with him, and it's just good fun. We just basically pray, God, come, touch him. Let your love touch him. Let your presence fill him. Next moment, Jesus touches him. He back, his back gets healed. Let me give you a background story. On Friday from the Sunday, he went to the doctors and they said, you need an operation to help you move forward. On the Sunday, we pray for him where he gets feeling back to his feet. He walks up and down the stairs with his, without crutches and, the, and, and all the pain on his back is gone. And then he pushes his wheelchair out of church. Feels like church to me. Come on. That is church. And he goes to the doctors and they say to him, "Uh, Johan, you don't need any surgery. Just a little bit of physio shall do it. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Give Jesus another hand. He is good. Come on. Jesus came to declare the kingdom of God is at hand. Now let me demonstrate it to you. They often say, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? You've heard that? And then we think, man, be nice. Be like Jesus. Be nice. No, 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 no. Biblically speaking, what would 
Jesus do if he was here tonight? Which he is. He would heal the sick. He would set people free from darkness on their souls. And he would lead them to his cross where he died for them. Amen. That is what Jesus would do. And he wants to do that through you. I want to stir your faith. He wants to do that through you. I mean, this team of us, the eight of them there, they are very, very ordinary people, just like me. (laughs) In all of their lives, they pray for people, they get healed, they hear the voice of God, they know stuff about people that they can't know, and they see lives transformed. This is for everybody. Amen. There is not super apostles here in the pulpit and then laity over there. I tell our guys often, I equip you. You do the ministry, I drink coffee. No, no, I'll join you. I'll join you. I'll also do ministry. But God is wanting to raise up his army. He's wanting to raise up the people of God. He loves the world so much. Do you have any idea? I am so thankful for Jesus calling me. You see, you didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. And tonight he's calling you, every one of us. Not, he's, not, he's calling you deeper into intimacy with him. He's calling you into a place of real faith. And he's calling you out of a place of not knowing him into a place of knowing him. It will rock your world. I promise you, it will rock your world. All you need to do is say, Jesus, I need this. Worship team, can you join us? on stage thank you for listening remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share